Knockout Ginger, episode 21 with Ben Dwyer. Great bassist, great saxophonist, music maker in general. And it was great to sit down and chat and get to know him. Thanks for listening. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters. had a combo in high school and we were it was pretty it was pretty good i played sax and we had a trumpet player and a drummer who were both really great and then the bass player was just never it was always kind of a revolving door yeah and like just always had a hard time finding a solid bass player so eventually i don't know it was a bit of that just like not having a bass player and also just it just i started just playing one one day and it was like supernatural so it just felt right to like yeah. make the switch, and I remember I remember my band teacher at the time he was like, "You you should just stick with the sax, man. Like it's not gonna, it's the bass thing is not gonna ha- happen." <laughs> I don't know why he, I don't know why he said that. He, and he was actually a great band teacher, but but uh, but I was stubborn enough and stuck with it. Yeah. Um, I my, the first the first summer I started playing bass, I got invited to to a music camp that um do you know jody prosnick i the name is familiar but i don't know she's a she's a bass player in vancouver um kind of like a staple musician in vancouver yeah. really great and she was teaching at this camp so i went to that and and learned a lot from her um she was actually a, also a big reason i just remember seeing her play at various things and she just kind of like has this energy where she just loves you could she's just like dancing with the bass and just like having so much fun and i was like that looks fucking awesome and i want to do that yeah so she was kind of a big reason why i started on it too uh did so did you start saxophone like did you see your dad do it and be like this is cool i want to do it or was it like a uh i think i was just i just remember like it was going into grade six and i was like okay there's band class now like what instrument do you want to do? And I guess sax just made the most sense because we have a bunch of saxophones around the house. And right. it's like, oh, I can already start playing one before I get like a school horn. Um, so yeah, it was just like logical, I guess. And I played some drums o- over the years too. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so then you, did you live in uh, BC until college or like? Yeah, I graduated high school on Vancouver Island and then moved to Montreal uh, for the next school year. I started when I was, I guess, 18. And then I was in Montreal for like, I want to say either six or seven years. I can't remember exactly. 2011 to 2007, either 17 or 18. It's all a blur now. Yeah. I don't know when I was anywhere. Yeah. Um, so what did you go to school for? Bass or saxophone? Bass. Bass. Yeah. Yeah. Jazz, jazz performance, bass. I did do some, I still, you know, I brought my horn and I played in one of the ensembles. Uh, I played in the sax ensemble on sax. So I still was able to kind of keep it up a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was definitely studying bass and that's kind of what people knew me as more so. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know you played 
until I saw you with I saw you at the Transac with someone and you were you were playing both. Right. Yeah, probably with uh Ted and Ted Crosby and Jake Weens, I think. Right? That does that ring a bell? I can't remember. Ted for sure. Yeah. So I guess. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah those guys are are we're three of a six piece group called Nomad, um that we all lived in Montreal together and and uh are still we're still a band. It's been kind of on and off over the years because we all live in different places now. Uh, the three of us live in Toronto, obviously. And then uh, Simon Millard w- has stayed in Montreal, but he actually just moved back to BC this, like, a couple months ago. Um, Mike, who's another sax player, he he lives in the States. He's a s- school teacher now, just started that. And then uh, Kai Basanta is the drummer who move back to bc but he might be moving here so we're all kind of like moving around and we hopefully maybe i'll end up in toronto beside mike he's probably gonna stay in the states but i think we're gonna get back together soon and uh record an album and yeah make that work but yeah that 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 was it was kind of the three-piece nomad ensemble that you probably saw Hmm. there and i kind of yeah i kind of split between sax and bass wherever needed um what was it so there's this i guess you don't know the difference because we whatever but did you like excel at the bass because you could like could you play with your dad like right away yeah pretty fast yeah pretty fast yeah yeah it was that was also yeah that was a good thing because on sax, I was, you know, I was pretty, I was fine on sax, but nothing like, I wasn't crazy good at it or anything. But when I started playing bass, it was just like, I don't know, I feel like it's more of an instrument that you can just kind of figure out how to play the roots and like, you can play gigs that way. Yeah. <laughs> and so my dad's like, oh, I can, I can hire you like pretty, pretty quickly after I started. I don't know how many, I don't know if it was a year or two, but we started playing gigs like shortly after and and uh yeah that's so awesome that was that was really nice yeah and we had a piano in the house so we'd just be playing duo all the time and i that's how i learned a lot of tunes we just play right. together and he'd just start doing something and i'd just figure it out yeah that's good yeah that's sweet that's yeah. probably like such a like what's better like there's no other yeah just like having it around all the time you know like yeah it was pretty lucky i i feel pretty fortunate to have had that situation also the uh my dad would put together a a music camp every summer which i loved because it it would there'd be usually one week where it'd be like high school students and then one week they would we'd have college students so all of a sudden in my house there were guys from like humber mcgill and then like professional musicians from here some some sometimes from new york sometimes from vancouver and it'd just be like this musical paradise that i was living in every summer so yeah yeah there's definitely some advantages to growing up with a with a guy like like phil yeah (laughs) yeah for those keeping score phil dwyer uh, I feel like it's come up more than once on here how people just say like 
he's like the greatest person they play with right and they're just blown away yeah by everything he does all the time yeah yeah it's 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 interesting i remember on, on the the one with john he he was he brought him up for sure um yeah i mean it's just he's just one of those guys that that uh you know there's so many so many people who can play their instruments so well especially these days i feel like it's just like everyone everyone coming up figures out how to like practice really hard and and get a lot under their fingers and it's cool but there's not as many people that i feel like as soon as they're on the bandstand it's just like everything is so easy for everyone else like it's just it they just lift everything up Hmm. and i feel like that's kind of something that my dad is great about and he's like he just brings this presence that like you just you just like close your eyes and fall into this thing that it's like it feels effortless whenever i play with him and it doesn't i know it doesn't always feel that way playing with other people yeah definitely i so i i like i've seen i've seen him play a couple like a few times over the years uh but more recently i saw you with him at the emmet right and being that close to i've never been that close to him hearing him play and it was just like yeah it's incredible yeah it's pretty powerful yeah yeah and i feel like even in the last handful of years he's kind of actually taken a step back from music as a profession because he's a lawyer now (laughs) which is still sounds weird for me (laughs) to say (laughs) but uh and i feel like that's even even uh loosened him up even more as a as a musician and and he's just purely doing it for the joy that that it brings him i mean he's not he doesn't have to worry about you know writing jingles or playing tours that he doesn't want to do and not like the not out of everything all of that stuff's out of the window so so now it's yeah just he just does the shit that he wants to do and i think that transfers to his playing even mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's pretty cool was there a uh or when you decided to do music like for school was there like how did that go with him um i think he was like well he was he encouraged it and first and foremost i think he was you know happy happy that i was going to school in the first place yeah i remember there were there were some there were some comments that he made when i was growing up that he was just like oh you should just move to the city like get a place and like study with someone and just play like don't worry about don't worry about school because it's a waste of your time. Like there were, you know, he, he definitely, uh, he, he would, I think he, uh, how should I, how should I say it? Sometimes he just gets an idea in his mind and he, and he sticks with that and he's like, you know, he, he has his opinions about things, but, but I think in the grand scheme of things, he, he did prefer me doing it, you know, going the school route just, right. just for the sake of, you know, getting out of it with a degree, which I didn't actually end up doing. (laughs) (laughs) But now my parents are just like, well, yeah, you've made your own bed and we're just gonna, we're just gonna love you and support you. And just hopefully it works out. Yeah. (laughs) I think they've given up on like telling me what they think I should be doing, which is kind of (laughs) nice. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. But, uh, as I sit here, 
at 30 with a degree and I'm also unemployed and you know right so yeah yeah it's it's funny the 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 difference between the people who got their degree and the people who didn't get their degree is not at this point in our lives is is like there is no difference really yeah <laughs> I mean I think it I think later in life maybe we'll we'll, we'll discover that there is some use to it I guess it depends. What, yeah. What road you go down? Um, yeah. Well, you have a you have an undergrad. Yeah. 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 I have a diploma and an undergrad. Okay. Uh, I was in school for like eight years. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah, studying yeah. music. Yeah. 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 Well, that's cool. I mean, at least I think there's something to be said for just like devoting that time to like studying and like you get you you always have time and like a facility to practice in i, I like those that was what i loved about being in school is just like you're just in that mode where you're just like there's a practice room and you just go in it and you stay there for however long and you just work on shit and you have a you know a weekly lesson where i remember i studied with um fraser hollins in, in montreal do you know him oh, he's a great great bass player great guy and just an awesome teacher. He was my my bass teacher. And every week I was just like terrified of the lesson and just showing up and not having my shit together. Yeah. So like that alone just made me really work my ass off in the first couple of years or the only couple of years that I was there. Um, so yeah, I appreciated that for sure. And then, yeah. And then I actually, after I, I quit school after two years and I ended up studying... I think weekly with a guy who I know um, Nick mentioned on the show, uh, Chris McCann, who's a drum. He was a drummer. I guess he still is a drummer, but he doesn't really play too much. He, he composes a lot, and he's sort of like a this teaching guru guy who wasn't. I don't, he's he's getting older now, and I don't know if he's there anymore. But most drummers that you talk to who went to they're like yeah he was like the most important person at school for me and a lot of non-drummers like myself a lot of bass players and just any like a lot of people who went to would say that they learned a ton from that guy um so yeah i i felt inclined to just call him and and get some lessons and that was really cool because he doesn't play bass but he was the first the first guy who i ever studied with or knew who who challenged me on my my right hand like my plucking technique on the bass because everyone up to that point is like oh yeah your left hand's terrible but your right hand's totally fine you know you just have to like work on your shifting and and uh use a bow and like practice playing in tune but this guy was like you know you you could get like way more sound out of your bass if you if you uh figure out your right hand and i was like what how's this what's this guy but he kind of it was kind of a similar technique as as what he showed the drummers just hitting a cymbal like just really slow and really intentionally and and he just had me dropping my hand like as as limber as possible on the string over and over again and eventually that just like it totally opened up my sound and i feel like that was one of the most beneficial things i had told to me (laughs) as a student yeah it's crazy how that happens 
you're like spend all this time around bass teachers yeah and it takes like someone someone else to yeah yeah do you still practice a lot uh yes i practice a lot of electric bass these days mm-hmm. um and and a fair bit of sax i have not really touched the upright bass in the last year or even more than that as like practicing wise which is kind of crazy because that's how I, that's how i make my living really is playing upright bass but a lot of it is to do with with the space that i'm in it's just like never seems like it's never big enough to pull out my bass right. and like put my case down somewhere everything ends up on my bed and i just have very limited floor space so i find yeah. the idea of practicing upright bass is just like i don't know there's this block that i just can never seem to get over and it's just yeah it's purely just a space thing yeah and then also i just i feel more compelled to like work on electric bass because i love doing that too and i'm not i'm not a great electric player i never have been it's just never been as like natural of a thing as upright bass so i really just want to get some shit down and the and then sax for me is just like it's like meditating like that's just that's just playing that makes me uh feel like i'm grounded again so that's where that comes in yeah i yeah it's it is i guess it can be a little bit of a battle because because i get work on the upright bass and but it's just not necessarily what i am as committed to these days but right i yeah, see it's yeah. a weird thing i don't know i'm still figuring it out i guess uh my bass that like a few minutes ago we had the bass out and like i don't think it's been out of the case aside from a gig two gigs in two weeks Mm -hmm. it just kind of sits there yeah yeah that's sort of what my my mind does it just kind of sits there and then i take it out for for the gig and then i bring it home and put it in the corner um yeah, every once in a while I get it. I get in the mood for it, and you know I remember that I have a bow, which is cool. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's always a good way to get back into it because you can just do long tones, uh, or just make weird sounds or whatever. But yeah, I don't feel I don't like. I remember when I was in at university, it was just like so driven to like really get great at the bass, and I feel like I got to a certain level on it, and. I feel comfortable pretty much doing any any gigs on bass now, so I'm happy with that, but I don't know. We'll see We'll see where it goes as far as trying to master the thing. It's, I don't know. I feel pretty far away still. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it gets harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a physical thing, right? Yeah. But. Did you watch the, the Game 7? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was cool. I yeah. was actually out for most of it. I was playing soccer at the Y, but I got home and watched the end. So that was exciting. It's a great game. I was really happy that, that uh, Washington won. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, I, didn't, I wasn't really pulling for either team. I was like, at the beginning, I was, I really wanted the Dodgers to win. I'm a huge Kershaw fan. Mm. Yeah, Kershaw's but, pretty awesome. Yeah, I yeah. I guess when it's not like your team, like I don't know. I like. I guess I like the Jays because I'm the Toronto guy. Yeah. But any any other teams that are doing it, you just kind of 
cheer for the players that you like, I guess. Yeah. Or, yeah. The, or the or the cheer against the players that you don't like. <laughs> yeah. Like but, I'm a I'm a Scherzer fan, so that's yeah cool. yeah Scherzer is awesome, and I generally in a situation like that I I cheer for the underdog team. The team, yeah. you know, Houston has just felt like this this big monster that was coming in and felt good to see them lose. Yeah. That was a, uh, I wouldn't have taken Granky out. I don't think. Yeah. I think that's maybe the big mistake. Yeah. But, or no, uh, no Garrett Cole too, right? Yeah. Two, two mistakes. Yeah. I don't know. I think if you like, if you take, if you take Granky out and you put Garrett Cole in, yeah. I think no one's going to ask any, no one's going to. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? The seventh inning that, that Granky came back in and, and walked Soto. Yeah. That, that was probably the time to like just put in Garrett Cole and yeah. win the game. Right. I think if you do that and you lose, no one asks any questions. Like yeah. you lost yeah. with your two guys. Yeah. But. No, it's, it's a funny job. The, uh, baseball manager. Cause, cause there's all this talk about how, you know, how analytics, have taken over the game and that the the management has just like put together this team based on the numbers and and it's really taken the power out of the the manager's uh hands especially in the regular season i feel like they're just like just kind of sitting there and then as soon as the playoffs come around there's like all, there's just like one game where they don't do the right thing yeah. and then everything's like oh this manager is terrible like <laughs> he screwed up who's the guy on Who's the guy on uh, the Dodgers? I feel like he gets Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts. He gets criticized a lot yeah. every every time the play because they always lose in the playoffs and they're like this guy's terrible. Like what is he doing? Yeah. He's... And same with the who's it? Um, Buck Showalter on the Orioles when he yeah. didn't put in. Uh, who was that? Uh, Zach Britton. Yeah. Did you, do you remember that? Yeah. Same exact same thing. They didn't. They didn't put in their star like relief pitcher and and then they ended up losing and that was that was the storyline so yeah. it's like you can't win or lose or you can't you can't win you can't win you can only lose yeah as a manager yeah unless you're john gibbons who who just never no one ever criticizes that yeah. guy i think he <laughs> would be a, he would be uh a great dodger manager yeah i don't know if Dave Roberts gets canned, which I think he might at this point. Yeah. Because Gib- Gibby just like, they're old guys on the Dodgers, basically. Right. Most of them are old, and he just like lets them do what they want. Yeah, and, yeah. He's kind of old school dude. I don't know. But yeah, no more baseball, more practicing. Yeah. It'll be good. What about hockey? You... Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I watch every Jets game. Yeah. I record them and I you just nerd out on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way with the Leafs though. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild. <laughs> and this year I actually am doing like a fantasy league for the first time. Yeah. And that's even worse than being just like a fan for a sports team. Like you have all these guys around the league that you have on your team and like you you just put on a game and you're looking at them and you're just like, do something. <laughs> and it feels like it's like, it feels like it's personal when yeah. they're not playing well. It's like, I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah. I can see why getting into the whole gambling thing or doing a lot of fantasy, like you, it's like, 
it's not really healthy i don't think yeah i did it a couple times and i was it's yeah, like it's i can't do this you know i'm stressed enough yeah yeah so i this probably be my one year doing it and then i'll probably stop um have you always been a leafs fan or is that like yeah a- yeah always been a leafs fan because i i'm i'm from here originally right i was born here and moved to bc when i was like 11 or 12 so oh it just like got in my system when i was a kid and right never really left kind of when i was in bc i was like definitely more removed and they were also just like horrible in those years that was like that was like between the sundine and castle kind of era yeah. so it was like they were just so bad that it was like okay i don't, <laughs> I don't need to watch every game these days but yeah. then when i moved back to montreal when i moved to montreal i started watching again and ever since right. then i've just been really yeah really into it i didn't realize you lived here f- before you moved to bc yeah 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 uh so when did you start playing um music yeah well i took piano lessons when i was like four or five and, oh, then, and then when i moved to bc i stopped doing that and i started playing sax when i was like 11 and then i started playing bass when i was like 15 16 i'd say when i was like 12 kind of a, kind of around the time i started playing sax is when i started to really enjoy doing it and yeah. i was like this is something i want to do a lot of um and then it just kind of snowballed over the years yeah um so was this a time when i don't know the years um uh was your dad playing a like a ton in toronto when you guys were living here yeah he was doing a lot of like studio stuff i think when i was a kid he's playing on a lot of commercials and right. stuff like that uh yeah just, so were you around it a lot like did you kind of get like a a, a, a little bit i don't know i don't really remember remember it too much like you know there were there were definitely some some guys that i knew as a kid like roberto is one that i just like i feel like i've known him for my whole life yeah and so we have a, we have a good relationship um and uh who else don thompson someone i'd known for a long time um not from Toronto, but Ingrid and Christine Jensen, I've known them for a long time. Yeah. There's a, there's a few musicians who I'd say kind of known for my whole life yeah. through my dad. That's awesome. And my mom too, for that matter. She's, she's not a musician, but she's worked jazz clubs when she was younger. She used to work at, um, Ronnie Scott's in London. And Sweet. I think, I think that's where my parents met actually was Ronnie Scott's. And then she worked at, at, uh, place called george's spaghetti house mm. here um later on and that's i think that's when my my parents actually got together was was at that time uh so she's she has all these old relationships with musicians too like there there are there are guys on the scene and my mom's like you know i i knew that guy before your dad knew him <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like oh interesting yeah uh it's it like you've been in it your whole life Basically. yeah kind of i mean i only really i really only like appreciated what it was when i started you know playing sax and started playing jazz you know in, in my early teens before that i i actually i wanted nothing to do with what my dad did I mean, it was like i was like 
just listened to like Eminem and like some 41 <laughs> yeah. and yeah. just thought anything that was jazz was like super lame. Right. So yeah, you could say I was in it, but I was like, I was not, not into it. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on it's like, Holy shit, this is some good stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, for me it was, I think it was Frank Sinatra and Count Basie orchestra playing like fly me to the moon and the way you look tonight i remember hearing that in the car i was like whoa this is awesome yeah (laughs) so is that like the uh live at the sands record no it was just like a compilation i think it was just a frank sinatra like compilation album but it it wasn't it wasn't it was all studio stuff Mm. um i think but yeah it wasn't live at the sands but yeah that was good and then there was a rob mcconnell and the boss brassy that my dad had that it was like those two albums i remember just listening to in the car and really enjoying it and then ever since then i've just loved loved the music yeah yeah was there a point where you like uh i guess with either saxophone or bass but like did you was there a moment where you heard a record or like heard a certain player and you're like "I, i i need to sound like that or Ooh. Um, yeah, kind of, I would say, uh, um, what is that album called? American dreams. I think it's called, uh, Charlie Hayden Yeah, with strings. Yeah. That bass sound. I remember like really being like, that's, that's kind of a sound that I, I want to want to get, um, as you know, as a, as a younger guy, uh, on sax, I, I loved my favorite sax players growing up were Cannonball Adderley and Hank Mobley, I think, growing up. Uh, and then in my, in my like more, in my adult, earlier adult years, I listened to a lot of, uh, um, not Chris, not Chris Cheek, Chris, who's the other Chris sax player uh, that? Chris Speed? Chris Speed, yeah. That, his kind of sound on the sax, I was like, oh yeah, that's really cool. I, I, I like that. And then there's another sax player from Iceland called Oscar Gudjonsson, I think. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he has a he has a duo record with do you know um Skuli Sverson? Yeah. They have a duo record and and he has this sax on the tenor, which is like just so cool and like silky. And so those guys I kind of emulated a little bit. Um another guy is uh what's his name? Uh, Hayden Chisholm Chisholm all these guys I don't know how to pronounce their names Uh, he's an alto player and he has this this record called Love in Numbers and the first track is like 15 minute long just like these long chords I think it's just him like overdubbing himself playing these like crazy chords all on the alto sax and I remember listening to that and be like, shit, that's like another way to approach playing the yeah. sax that I want to try. So yeah, there's a bunch of different kind of influences. Lately I've been trying to like transcribe some Coltrane stuff. I've been like working on impressions from the, I mean, you know, that new album that, that came out, uh, both directions at once. Yeah. Yeah. That, that record I like a lot. So I've been trying to like just get some of that language down. So yeah, I have a lot of different influences. Schooly Schooly Spheres in is another guy who 
I really love. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if like his bass playing, I really like try and emulate much, but just like his compositions and just his whole, mm. his whole style, I think is really cool. I know, um, Syria two, do you know that record by him? Oh, it's like, that's one of my favorite albums for sure. Syria, how do you spell this? S E R I A. And then two, like in Roman numerals, I think. Cool. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. It's um, just like the, the compositions on it are like really cool. I think maybe Ted has told me about him. Yeah. I think that's how I found him. Okay. I think. We might have actually Whatever. played one of his songs when when at the Transact when I was playing sax. I feel like we we uh, we were doing one of his songs then, but not mm. a long time ago. Um, do you have anything coming up that you want to um, tell people about? Well. I'm gonna be making a Christmas song. I mean, that's that's a little bit away, a little ways away for for the listeners. But for me, I have to start doing it like soon because there's this my friend Shelby Cohen in Montreal. She she puts together like a Christmas compilation album every year. Right. She, I think I met her. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. At the transactions. Yeah. yeah. And she invited me this year to to make something. So. I have to start thinking about that. Um, yeah, what are, kind of drawing a blank on what I'm doing this month, but I'm playing some shows in December at the Jazz Bistro with this guy named Erwin Hall, who's really great uh, sax player from New York. I'm really excited about that. We've done, we've done, uh, we played last year together. And then earlier this year, we we did some shows there, and, and every time he comes, and he's just great. He, he's he's a guy that kind of remind, reminds me of my dad a little bit. And he's just like this really uplifting kind of musician, and yeah, like I said before, it's just like it's so easy to play with a guy like that. Mm. Um, and then the band is great. It's like me and you and Farncomb and Davide Carazza. So. So it's, that's a, that's a fun gig. I think that's December third and fourth. I want to say at the Jazz Bistro. Yeah. Nice. That's uh, cool. Yeah. And I have a I have a YouTube channel which right now is just like I just have like three songs on it. I've, I'm I'm getting I'm, these days I'm I'm equally also just into like producing tracks you know f- for myself and I do some singing, play some sax kind of do whatever i whatever i feel like on that channel and it's called billy delaware that's like my my uh what what do you call my moniker my stage stage name my alias yeah (laughs) so yeah uh check that out billy delaware youtube.com slash billy delaware or whatever um and i'll plan to be posting more stuff up on there sweet so what do you how do you uh Is it like just bass, sax, and vocals, or do you like do some? Yeah, for the most part. Sometimes I I will like program drums. You play synths, play piano, kind of really anything goes. Mm. Like, yeah, um, I've I just I just love making shit on. I use Ableton, and it's kind of whatever mood I'm in. Sometimes I make like m- more 
yeah, more like electronic sounding music. And sometimes I just record myself playing sax, like overdubbing a bunch of times and yeah. play like horn chorales. So yeah, it's kind of something new every day, but that's sort of like what, what's inspired me over the last few years, mostly as a musician. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Um, do you, do you play the jazz bistro a lot? No, 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 just pretty much just with that, with that group. Um, and then like, you know, every once in a while I do something else there, but I've played with my dad a few times there mm-hmm. as well. What's uh, the connection with Irwin Hall? Like, how do you, how do you guys know him? So I guess Sybil from the jazz bistro, they, she hired him or he maybe reached out to her to come play here. And then she just hired you and, uh, Farncombe and she just said, put a band together, put like a young oh. jazz group together. And so he got us on it. That's cool. Uh, so yeah, it's really happy with how it worked out. I think we actually might be doing a live recording this time possibly. So I'm excited for that. Sweet. Yeah. 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 It's cool music. It's like jazz, but like really fun jazz. Nice. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> it's always a bonus when it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, it usually is fun, but. Did you ever study with Roberto? Or well, like- he kind of gave me my first, I would say my first lesson on upright bass. He, he kind of gave me, cause I just had a bass. I don't, I forget if it was the bass that I have now because I got that pretty early or I might've been just had a, had a bass from the high school at my house, but I was playing it and I would, I had my, my left hand was just all clumped together, mm-hmm. just trying to like hold down any kind of note. And he was at my house and he came into the room and just grabbed my hand and like spread all my fingers out. And it's like, Oh, he's like, this is how you, this is how you got to do it. <laughs> and so it was a, that was, that was kind of the first lesson I ever got. It was like, yeah. You got it. You can't. You can't. Uh, can't be using the the left-handed hook on on the fingerboard, which I kind of have reverted back to a little bit. I feel like. I feel like you have to like. Learn how to play technically well, at some point, and then once you do that, then you can kind of like lose it a little bit mm-hmm. and do whatever you want to do after that. So, yeah, I'm kind of. I'm kind of in between playing properly with my left hand and just going with whatever. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. I do the, this thing yeah. a lot also. Yeah. And lately, I've been playing the E string with my thumb sometimes. Interesting. Which is... I've never done that whole before. other problem. I saw... Um, Tony Cher, Tony Cher, plays with Bill Frizzell sometimes. I saw him do it, huh. and uh, it seemed like when he did it, there was just like, his body just seemed so relaxed, mm-hmm. instead of like, right. going all the way around. Yeah. The occasional... Yeah, your, your arm is a lot straighter, yeah. your wrist is straighter, I guess. I tried it a couple times, and... How do you like it? Know. It snuck into my playing, yeah. like without me. Yeah, you being can get a good grip on it. I just imagine, like, that's so interesting. I never even thought about doing that. Yeah, hmm. it's cool for like 
pedaling a note and then like kind of right playing some higher yeah register yeah, things sure yeah yeah i feel like i've seen it maybe done on guitar or yeah. like electric bass but yeah i don't know yeah and then on the on the with the right hand i've sort of been experimenting with that a little bit more in the last few years um i don't know i know like a lot of old school guys you they like to keep their hand as like low as possible mm. basically right at the end of the board and i like doing that but then i like creeping it up to like the middle of the board too you know there's a lot of different sounds you can get doing that and I f i'm always looking for you know new new shit that can come out of the bass yeah yeah. I recently learned this from Josh Cole. Yeah. Watching him play. Yeah. And his hand goes like, he kind of changes position with his hand on every note. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, uh, the physics of it. Like, the, the string just vibrates in a different way. And sometimes you can get like a, like the octave kind of sound, you know? Yeah. I actually learned that from, um, you know, Mike League, the snarky puppy guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was demonstrating pedals on some YouTube video, and then he was showing. I think he was showing an octave pedal, and he's like, "But you can actually get like, kind of like a natural octave sound just by playing like, pulling the string, pretty much just an octave above where your note is, and and it transfers to upright bass too. Yeah, and you can get a really cool sound doing that. Yeah, I learned this exact same thing from that same video. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if that's like. There's so how there's like so much available information that we all kind of get the same shit yeah. from like <laughs> from just from the internet. Yeah, I don't know. Um, any any future guests lined up? Uh, Allison Al. Nice. Dan Fortan. Okay, oh, that'll be good. Uh, my friend uh, Gabriel DeSantis. Do you know him? Name rings a bell. Uh, I used to play in a band of his called White Brow, okay. and he plays in, uh, do you know Tom Richards? Yeah. Trombone player? Yeah, yeah So he yeah. plays in a band with Tom Richards. Okay. Anyway, he's like, uh, he sings and he plays guitar and banjo. Oh, cool. Um, I'm going to try to do, to do Pat pretty soon. I don't know, I got a couple couple more things i don't know i'm gonna get through everyone eventually you yeah know? like and then you'll just have to get re returnees yeah i mean there's some people for sure that like i'm just gonna start doing repeats anyway yeah like maybe do a few solo episodes yeah yeah should that's tough i did one and uh i just played music and kind of awful it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty cringy i felt like a morning radio dj like 